The following is a sermon from the Edgington Evangelical Presbyterian Church in Taylor Ridge, Illinois. I'd like to encourage you to open your Bibles together with me to Psalm 120. Psalm 120. Uh, whatever Bible you have at home, uh, or if you're not already familiar with it, the ESV Bible has a really fantastic app. If you'd like to have accessibility on your tablet or smartphone, the ESV Bible has a great app that Crossway publishes that you can get both on Apple and Android platforms. But whether you're going to click in your Bible or flip in your Bible, whatever it is, open with me to Psalm 120. Uh, we have been, as a church, uh, for a while studying the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5. But during this particular season, whatever kind of season you want to call it, uh, we are going to be looking at the book of Psalms, particularly this collection of Psalms in the Psalter known as the Psalms of Ascent. Uh, you'll notice that the heading of Psalm 120, it says, not only deliver me, O Lord, but a psalm of ascents. The psalms of ascents are a collection of 15 psalms in the Psalter running from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. And this is a, a beautiful little collection in the Psalter. Uh, most people are more familiar with Psalm 121. So if you scan really quickly and look at that, it'll probably sound perhaps a bit familiar to you. But of all 15 of these psalms, they're largely unknown to us in terms of who wrote them, though there are a few that are attributed to David, um, like for example Psalm 122, and there are a few others. There's even one attributed to Solomon, but the rest we're not sure who wrote them, uh, but we are aware of why these psalms were written. All of these psalms, these psalms of ascent, are all about the theme of traveling to get to Jerusalem and going to worship the Lord at the temple in Jerusalem. And because Jerusalem is about 2,500 feet above sea level and the city itself is elevated on the plains, you have to go up when you go visit Jerusalem. You're going up when you visit the temple. And that's why these psalms are called Psalms of ascent because the people of God are singing them as they long to go, as they are on their way to the temple of God to go and worship together. And also, interestingly, these psalms, these 15 psalms, are composed both during times when things are going well and also when things are not going so well for the people of God. But regardless of the circumstances externally, the desire to go and worship the Lord is the theme of all of these psalms. So we come to the first one, Psalm 120. If you've got your Bible open, let's pray, and then we'll hear God's word. Oh Lord, we hear so many voices, we hear so many opinions, we hear so many thoughts of man, so many thoughts that are only of human origin, mere opinions. So, Lord, your people this morning are desirous to hear your word, to come out from the endless cycle of news and updates, and, Lord, to hear of your living and abiding truth. And so, Father, I pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, come to illuminate our minds as we as your people gather around Psalm 20, 120 this morning. 
Illuminate our minds to understand the scriptures. Illuminate our hearts to receive them. And we pray, Lord, that in the power of Jesus' name, you would transform us by the power of your word this morning. And so come and speak to us, for Lord, we are ready to hear you. We pray in the strong name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. And now hear the word of God from Psalm 120, entitled, Deliver Me, O Lord. This is the word of God. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you? And what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak... They are for war. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever and ever. And so may he write its eternal truth upon our hearts today. I said before an introduction to the Psalm of Ascents that usually Psalm 121, which is the next one, usually that one is a favorite for many people. And I sincerely doubt that Psalm 120 is a favorite for anybody. But I hope that as we see it together and go through it together, that we will see that it is actually a psalm of great encouragement and help to us today. But as we approach it just generally, at first, I want you to notice that Psalm 120, uh, as a, a song, that's what psalms are, Psalm 120 sings the blues, A famous blues guitarist, B.B. King, said that people love blues music not because the blues explains our emotions, but because it gives expression to our emotions. It gives feeling and outward expression to our, our thoughts, the things that we have in our hearts. It's able to put to words what we otherwise cannot quite explain. And the Psalms do the very same thing, not just to blues, but to all of the full spectrum of human emotions. There are psalms for every emotion of the human heart. In the psalms, God gives words to us to pray, a resource to face any circumstance and any emotion of our hearts. But specifically in Psalm 120 this morning, we come to something of discouragement, something of despair. But, as I said, There is great hope and encouragement for us here. So first of all, let's see in verse 1 that this psalm is written by someone who is spiritually discouraged. You notice the word that he uses in the opening verse. In my distress. In my distress, he says. He's in distress. He finds himself in great difficulty. He also cries out in verse 5, Woe to me! Because the burden is great. The 
difficulty is great. The distress is heavy. Here is a man who is spiritually discouraged. Maybe we could even say spiritually depressed. And it's helpful to know, I think, it's helpful for us to know that somebody else has been there. Somebody else has been there so that when we feel this emotion, when we are able to identify in the various seasons of life, or perhaps even today, that there is someone else who knows what it is like to be in distress, whether that's you now or whether that's been you particularly in other seasons of life this psalmist has traveled through dark days and difficult days and I want you to remember that that's possible for the Christian believer you know the the Christian life is a life that is full of joy but joy is not the same thing as happiness Christian life is full of joy, but it is not necessarily happiness all the time. And some people might say, my goodness, that's depressing. Why why focus on that right now? We need something else, something else to uplift us. But remember, remember this reality that ignoring our struggles and ignoring our distress, brushing them under the rug, ignoring our struggles is the best way to be overcome by them. In the Bible, we are able to have words that acknowledge our struggle and lead us and show us what we're supposed to do with them. And this psalm shows us, in my distress, what does he do? I call to the Lord. In my distress, I call to the Lord. Here we are reminded that believers can count on the Lord hearing them when they cry out in times of distress. Though we should not only call out to the Lord in times of distress, we should call out all the time, but yet it is especially during times of distress that the psalmist gives testimony when he says in verse 1, In my distress, I called to the Lord and he he answered me. Aren't you thankful for that addition in verse 1? It's not that the cries of distress go out to an ear that is not listening, to a heart that is not full of compassion, but that in my distress I cried to the Lord and he answered me. I needed him, I prayed to him, I cried out to him in prayer, and he answered me. Listen to what John Calvin says about this particular verse. Calvin says this, Men, it is true, have need of God's help at every moment. But there is not a more suitable season for seeking him than when some great danger is immediately menacing us. It is therefore worthy of notice that he was heard when constrained and shut up by tribulation, he betook himself to the protection of God. Or in other words, When in distress and discouragement, the psalmist flees to the protection of God by crying out. And I hope that you have done that. I hope that you are doing that in these days. Yes, of course, your social distancing, 
your hand washing. I have become way more cognizant of my temptation to touch my face than I ever have been and mindful that I shouldn't be doing it. We can close schools and limit the hours of business. And I know you've probably thought all these things. We can do all of these things, but they're preventative measures. They don't stop a virus. We come on the verge of panic, perhaps, if we feel utterly powerless. But, people of God, it is at that moment when we are faced with the realization of our weakness, faced with the realization of the strength that we do not possess within ourselves when you and I are led by the Spirit of God to the perfect opportunity to cry out. To cry out to God, to say, this is bigger than me, O Lord, deliver me. It's here that we learn the mighty lesson of God's power, that our hope, as it's been said, is not in our activity but in his sovereignty Our hope is not in our doing, but in his doing, that we are always dependent upon him. And especially when we are aware of our dependency upon him, we learn that we can cry out to the Lord and he hears us. We see that right away in verse 1. But but more in depth than that, let's try and understand not just that we can cry out to God, but let's, let's try and see why the psalmist is crying out. Why is it, in particularly this psalmist in Psalm 120, why is, why is he crying out? What is the cause of this great spiritual discouragement and distress? There's really two things to pay attention to here in Psalm 120. One is general and another one is a bit more specific. The first reason why the psalmist is experiencing these discouragements is because he's just like us, generally speaking, in that he lives in a fallen world just like you and I do. Notice some of the things that he says in verse 2. Some of the specific things that are causing him distress are lying lips and a deceitful tongue. And then he makes reference to sharp arrows and burning coals in verse 4. He's using wartime pictures. He's living life in this world and living life in a fallen world. The psalmist is using this metaphor of a battle. That life in the fallen world is sometimes a struggle. Uh, The particular context here is that this psalmist is here specifically talking about Israel being in captivity. They've been led out of Israel and have forced out of the promised land of Israel. And they are living among other people that don't share their faith and don't share their conviction. They're living among pagan nations. Specifically, he says in verse 7 that he lives among those who are for war and not for peace. He says there's disruption and there's warfare and I experience a deceitful tongue and lying lips. He's reflecting on life in this fallen world and difficulty and pains. And we know of this, of course. There are things in your life and mine that are evidence of the fact that we live in a fallen world. And when we think of them, we're in distress and they're a burden for us. We all know them and we all think of them. We had them on our minds and they weighed upon our hearts long before the events of the last couple of weeks. Because for all that's going on right now, relationships are still strained between people who love each other. Addictions are still present for people. Cancer diagnoses are still being given out. 
These are the things that cause us to cry out to the Lord with the psalmist, deliver me. Deliver me from the distress of living in this fallen world. But a, but a more specific reason, and this reason really brings out the purpose of the psalm of a sense. The first reason is, is just a, a general reason of life in a fallen world. But this second reason is a bit more specific because the psalmist is in distress because he's in captivity, because he's outside of Israel, because he's outside of the promised land. And the reason specifically in this psalm of ascent why he is in distress is because he is absent from the house of God. He's away from the temple. He's away from the place where the people of God gather for worship. It's powerfully timely, isn't it? We're not gathered together the way we long to be. And the psalmist is expressing the sorrow and the pain of that very same thing. Again, the purpose of these Psalms of Ascents were all about the journey to get through the wilderness and get back to Jerusalem, to get back to the place where the people of God gathered for worship. But he's not there in this psalmist. He longs to be. Woe to me, verse 5. Verse 6, too long. The places he mentions in verse 5, sojourning in Meshach and dwelling in the tents of Kedar, those places are hundreds of miles away from Jerusalem. One of them is in the northeast and one of them is in the southwest. And he's sorrowful that he's so far away. Woe is me. It's been too long. He isn't with the people of God. He's not present at the temple to see the temple sacrifices to see the offerings being made that pointed him to his need of atonement and cleansing for his own sin. He's not able to greet fellow worshipers and lift his heart in prayer with them. Again, it's very timely. It's only been a week for us, but I think as the people of God scattered all over the place this morning, one brief application here for us is that we need to be perhaps moved to compassion, especially for those dear saints who are shut in, not because of viral quarantine, but because they have other health circumstances that have kept them away for many years. And they love the people of God and they love the house of the Lord, but they're not able to go. Perhaps this season should renew and reinvigorate our compassion for those who are not able to be with us week by week. And maybe we can do something to reach out, express our love, and show our compassion. And another brief application of this psalm is indeed in this season of church life that it is one of the distinguishing marks of grace in the life of a Christian to have love for the people of God as they gather for worship. To love the worship of God with the people of God. To be in fellowship with the saints of God and the house of the Lord in all of its heavenly splendor and glory. And, and why is that? Because this psalmist here is writing in the time of the Old Testament under the Old Covenant. He anticipates the coming of the Lord Jesus. But we are the people of God who live on the other side of the death and resurrection of Christ. Who live on the other side of the ascension of Jesus Christ and his present reign. He reigns now from heaven. And when we gather as the people of God, we are gathering not to go to some earthly city, not some earthly Jerusalem, but we 
are tasting in foretaste, spiritually anticipating the glory of the heavenly Jerusalem that is yet to come, where all the people of God will be gathered in. And that is a heavenly worship now. But one day it will be a reality that we will see not by faith but by sight. When we gather for worship, we gather by faith as we are gathered in to that heavenly Jerusalem. But it's just a taste. But we as Christian believers can sing Psalm 120 anticipating the fullness of the people of God gathered in one day. And so the true Christian both loves the Lord and loves the gathering of his people and all that it anticipates where Christ has made a way. So let's take from Psalm 120 some direction, some counsel, some encouragement. We've seen some of it already for sure. But let's see, what are we, what are we supposed to do? Right? Application, clear points of taking this home. What are we supposed to do? First of all, people of God, don't forget that the psalmist here and you also need to be honest before God about the condition of your soul. Let me encourage you to do that. If you're anxious, if you're fearful, whatever burdens you today, if you're lonely, if you're sorrowful, if you're full of grief, whatever burden lays upon your back, you can be honest before God about it. It would also be important perhaps for you to be honest if you've not yet come to a place of sincerely receiving and resting upon Jesus Christ as he has offered in the gospel. If you've not trusted in his merit and his righteousness and not your own. The psalmist is calling us here to be honest before God. So be honest before God about your condition. Be honest before God about your soul. Be honest before God about your sins and flee to his mercy, flee to his protection. So first, be honest. And secondly, it's very simple and it's very clear, isn't it? Pray. Sometimes the simplest instructions are the ones that are taken most for granted and we don't just say them. Pray. The psalmist cried to the Lord. Anxiety doesn't have to lead to crippling anxiety. Fear doesn't have to lead to dread. Loneliness doesn't have to lead to despair. Anger doesn't have to turn to rage. If we would take these things to the Lord in prayer and spread them before the compassionate heart of our Heavenly Father because He hears our cries and He cares for us. But it's just true, isn't it, that oftentimes we do just about anything but pray. We do everything we can. We expend all of our resources. We put out all of our efforts, and then we decide to pray. We turn to prayer when there's nothing else we can do but pray. But very often, loved ones, God is using these times to teach us, actually, that before we do anything... Long before we try to face things in our own strength and in our own might, we should seek the Lord in prayer. That in every circumstance and in every condition, no matter what, it's possible for us to say, even as we'll sing together here in just a moment, have we trials and temptations? 
Is there trouble anywhere? You should never be discouraged. Why? Take it to the Lord in prayer. And Psalm 120 is saying, God hears. He hears our cries. God always hears the cries of his children. And there is no greater encouragement to prayer than that. That we are able to take our troubles and our anxieties and we're able to take our cares and our frustrations and we unburden ourselves before the Lord, before our sovereign, omnipotent, omnipresent God who is able to do exceedingly above all we ask or even think. And when we pray, remember that we are not changing God, but He is changing us. He is teaching us to trust Him, helping us to learn of Him and all of His ways that our faith might grow and find rest in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord our God, we do thank You that You invite the prayers of Your people, that even we could say Your heart delights when Your people cry out to You, as an earthly father delights to receive his children, how much greater must you, our Father in heaven, delight to hear the cries of your children here on earth. And so, Lord, I pray, hear our prayers and be with us and be to us our rock and strength and our refuge. And, O Lord God, as you show yourself faithful to us, inflame the faith of our hearts to love you more. For we do pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If you would like more information about our church or its ministries, please visit edgingtonepc.org. May God bless and keep you.